Hi and hello watch fans. I'm Alon Ben Joseph, your friendly neighborhood jeweler, going solo today on the real time show. I'm very honored to welcome to the virtual studio Martine Deprel. She is the chief executive officer of the Watch Library Foundation. Welcome Martine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you Alon and thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you for, for the interest of in the Watch Library Initiative. I'm, uh, I'm also the co-founder of the project with, uh, with Serge Maillard. Thank you so much for coming on, but mostly for the gift you guys are not only giving the watch community, mm-hmm. but the whole world. You and I actually met virtually during the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns back in 2021, when Serge, my dear friend, and you guys started brainstorming about this amazing project yeah and we've ever since been in contact strange enough we never met in real life yet so i'm looking forward to that you guys i've, I've known about this project for over two years now mm-hmm. and you've launched it i believe about in the summer you officially launched the database the library we launched the 1st of September. It was for the Geneva Watch Days. Uh, you, you, you was there, no? Yeah, yeah, we were definitely there. But in the end, we didn't have time to sit down and talk properly. But we know this was coming. And we definitely wanted you guys on the show. Because both Serge and you are extremely modest. Besides that you're super friendly, you're extremely modest because the project you guys have created is crazy. You basically opened up several databases in one archive, one library, and I believe you have over 325,000 entry points, everything related to watches. Am I correct? Going back to 1650, the year 1650. Yes, uh, it's correct. Uh, and thank you very much for, for this amazing introduction uh, on the project. Um, yeah, we have today like uh, 3,025,000 uh, of archive and documents, written documents, videos, drawings. But the, the project has the ambition to gather more than 3 million archive because Today, perhaps we know about only 30% of the archive related to watchmaking that exists in the world. So, yeah, we have an interesting um, job to to do in the future. You definitely do, and it's already very impressive. So, to catch everybody up to speed very quickly while you want to browse Hmm. during listening to this episode, you simply go to watchlibrary.org. W-A-T-C-H-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y dot org. Yeah. It's a free open source database because the Watch Library Foundation is a non-profit foundation, isn't it? Yeah, it's non-profit and it's public utility too. It's an important recognition given by the Swiss Confederation. That means that uh, we work for the Ontario community and, uh, yeah, and our objective is really to bring watchmaking knowledge to a wider audience as possible. So it's it's really a platform for everyone. I mean everyone related to the to the watchmaking industry, every enthusiast, every expert, non-expert too. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's for everyone because uh 
I'm convinced and we are convinced that thanks to the knowledge, we really participate to foster, let's say, imagination, creativity, innovation in, in this industry. I know that both our dear friend, Serge, your co-founder, mm. with his family business, Europastar, and their amazing Europastar club, so their database where they digitized their whole back catalog, because I believe they started in 1926. I'm saying this by heart. 27. 27, almost. You see, I'm getting older. Yep. My memory is not working well. <laughs> <laughs> so four more years and they're antique. They're 100 years old. So uh, Serge's grandfather, great-grandfather started Yellow Pages for watchmaking that turned into, in my humble opinion, the best trade magazine for watches back then, but still today. It's my favorite magazine. I've said this many times on airs. I've been reading it ever since I'm a kid. Ever, I was browsing through it before I learned how to read, especially English. But ever since, I've been reading every single article. That is, I guess, the cornerstone of your database for the watch library. Am I correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's also the beginning of the story because, um, as, as you said, the Repastar and the Maillard family, they start to digitize part of their archive back to 1927 and and then they realized that how it's interesting for everyone to to have access even it's uh, a size uh, through through the club and you know their reputation they are, it's uh, the third and now the fourth generation they are really experts they they have an amazing knowledge uh, about watchmaking, not only in Switzerland, in Europe, but with an international view, also a holistic view, because they, they work for, and they write, uh, they are real journalists, they write for every single aspect of, of uh, watch industry. So when they realize that, they say, okay, we want to create something different, perhaps something bigger, uh, gathering all the archive. So that's that was the beginning of the story. It was in March 2020. And I received a call from Pierre Maillard. I knew uh, Pierre from my previous background at Vacheron Constantin. And he contacted me. It was like one week before the lockdown, something like that. And so he, ex he explained that him and his nephew, Serge Maillard, were looking for someone to turn this first experience of Basta into um, a bigger project for the entire uh, watchmaking industry. I've said this also many times on air, and I'll repeat it again. Serge's uncle, Pierre Meillard, mm. so his dad's brother, is the best columnist in the watch world ever. Yeah, agree. <laughs> and it's a very bold statement, but I always, always start with his column. Always, when he was mm. the chief editor, he was at the beginning of the magazine, ever since Serge took on the, the, the role, the leading role at Europa Star. His uncle went to the back page where I always start the magazine. I, I believe they even call it Last Things First or something like that. That's the title of the column. Um, they're wonderful people, super friendly, super modest, all of the Mayals that I have met. Um, so they obviously are four 
profit organization. They're a commercial enterprise yeah. hmm. and, and they, they uh, monetize their content by selling ads and that's it. Now, yeah. Europa Star Club is with payment, used by many, many, many watch brands I know. Mm-hmm. Did they now enclose that whole database for the watch library? Because for those that are not browsing while they're listening right now, this database is spectacular. You type in any keyword and the database will run searches. The query will literally go back to 1650, give you hits. Mm. I believe it's OCR. It even can read images, PDFs, etc. So it gives you text, video, and it shows you a graph as well per year. So it's, it's mind-boggling. And obviously, we're going to talk about... Uh, Open and I chat GPT and etc. with you, but we'll come to that later. Does this mean that Europe a Star Club emerged with this, or are they two different things? It's two different things. It's two different entities also, because the foundation is as a public utility foundation. It's not owned by someone. We have a board of trustees with people from the industry. But with a really transversal role, we, we choose that, for instance, Régis Huguenin from the Musée International d'Horlogerie, uh, Nick Manousos from the Horological Society of New York, or people with a strong expertise in philanthropy, for instance, or in education. I'm thinking about Hélène Spero, which is a lecturer in the IMIT. So, yeah, it's, it's really a different thing, different entity. And even the platform. Because we we build a platform with a different technology, the technology we use is really an open technology. As as you saw, everything it's like open, like free access. But it's not a database. It's a new system that we gather archive in a data hub, and and from that you are, you are able to to you know navigate in in the archive and um, and find out the and do your searches and it's really important because the database perhaps could be relevant today but um for the watch library i mean and uh, and in the future i'm not sure because you know interests from people way to search thinking about chat gpt but new things that that uh, will come in the future uh, will change a lot so we we didn't go for a database. We it's more like data lake, something more open. I mean, so just to say that it's it's really different. Interesting, I, and I w- I would love to dissect that yeah in a bit because it's actually very interesting what you guys are doing there. Um, before we do so, I, I do want to give a shout out also to the 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 supporters and and the partners that made it possible from day one. Obviously, Europa Star. And the Republic et Canton de Genève. Yeah. But also for our listeners that know three very known brands, Audemars Piquet, Richard Mille, Tag Heuer. And then what's Arc Horloger? Arc Horloger, yeah. It's a. Uh, from the very beginning, we have also a major anonymous donor. <laughs> Uh, we have to. So, and it's true that this major anonymous donor plus uh, AP, they support us from the day one, and and Richard also, and then recently this summer uh, Tiger. So yeah, that's that's amazing. It's it's really um, like donor that really involved 
in the to preserve the watchmaking heritage because the the role of the foundation perhaps if i if i if i can explain a bit it's not only to gather archive and and build the, the platform you know but it's also to preserve the watchmaking heritage by uh, digitizing phones and archive that we, that they are in switzerland in in Germany, UK, everywhere in the world. Even for the moment, we are discussing with uh, some interesting people in Asia because even in Asia, you have amazing uh, watchmaking archive. So yeah, about the mission of the foundation is also to to preserve the, the watchmaking heritage. Uh, to answer to your question about the archaeologies, the entity, we were uh, uh, we was responsible for UNESCO recognition. I don't know if you remember. It was in December 2020. The savoir-faire watchmaking savoir-faire were listed on the um, uh, cultural humanity cultural list. It's a way to preserve this uh, this uh, watchmaking savoir-faire. So archaeology is a Franco-Swiss entity that presents the candidacy at UNESCO. So they play an important role in terms of preservation of uh, watchmaking heritage. That's that's why we have even someone from this organization in the foundation board of trustees. Yes, definitely, and and that's that was an amazing stepping stone. And I believe you guys are doing an as important task to preserve that amazing knowledge. And heritage, so and and it's wonderful that these brands came on board. If more partners, brands, uh, stakeholders in the watchmaking industry want to support your foundation, how do they go about? Ah, it's um, it's easy. They just contact me. <laughs> uh, some um, yeah, the, the the way brand supporters and donors, let's say. We have different kind of donors. As I said, that is donors that they want to stay anonymous. Other donors support without asking for any um, specific preservation uh, plan on, on our side. Or other donors can ask the foundation to digitize. I don't know. I, I ha- I'm thinking about the Louis Coty archive. Uh, the, these archives are in the Musée d'Art et d'Histoire in Geneva. And uh, one of the donors said, okay, we really want to preserve this, this archive. And, and the way to, to be a donor with, uh, to the foundation and to support the foundation, it's, it's, it's also open. You know, it's, it's really the, the value of the project. It's, uh, it's based on the collective intelligence and, uh, uh, and people working together. Some donors can has to be a part of the committee. For instance, I have a, a person from Onmar Piguet in the digital committee. He's an expert, so it's helped a lot. Uh, because we are a startup, you know, I, I myself, I have a CTO, of course, Serge, but he has also other responsibilities. So, so some, yeah, some donors uh, has or support us by, by sharing expertise too. Can watch collectors Mm. even donate a small amount or is it that you're looking for patrons and big sponsors at the beginning uh, i was looking for major donor i mean patrons because uh, it's it was super important to uh, establish the project and and to sustain the project in the you know in the in the near future 
And now we are opening to even smaller contributors as brands, like independent and small, small brands, but also to collectors because we were contacted with amazing collectors and uh, because they are so, you know, interested by the, by archive, by heritage. Um, and they really want to have access to this amazing content because uh, when we are looking for, you know, information on specific piece, pieces from the 70s or specific watchmaker, you know, in the 19th century or 18th century, for instance, you can, you can find this on, on the platform. So yeah, we are little by little to, to individuals and collectors. And I assume that if somebody has great ideas, want to help or maybe donate time and efforts, they can also reach out to the foundation through the contact form on the page, I assume. Yeah, because uh, as I said, it's it's really what with, with Serge and the Maya family, really at the beginning of the project, we we realized that we, we have the same values. I mean, uh, for us, uh, it was important to create this project for the watchmaking community and with the watchmaking community. And I think that it's, you know, it's, it's an ambitious project, really ambitious. Uh, I remember when I, I presented the project, I presented the project the 1st of September from one, someone from the organization as a partner in terms of content and source came to me and said, yeah, uh, we realized that your project was really ambitious. At the beginning, we were say, okay, uh, we go, uh, we follow and, and, and let's see. You know, they, they were not really confident because it was, as you said, it's really ambitious project, but we did it step by step, seriously, and with the help of a community. For me, it's a really a, a game-changing project because it's a new way to collaborate. And it's really what I love in terms of career and professional uh, aspect. You've already indicated a bit what lies in the future from 300,000 plus to 3 million. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest obstacle or obstacles to get started? Of course, I think it's the financial aspect because to do that, we have to invest in uh, digitization to digitize more found. We have to um, release the second step of the platform, I mean, in terms of technology. Not only gathering this 3 million plus archive, but also creates the user experience that is perfect for that. And also to, as I said, we are a startup. It's less than a startup. I, I need to have more people working on a daily basis with me to, to, to manage this because it, it takes time to really negotiate a partnership with, uh, with other institutions to bring their archive uh, in the platform. What happened since the launch, it can be positive, it can be negative, that you did not expect? Difficult question. Maybe support from an uh, from an side that you didn't expect. Uh, the usage of the database exceeded your expectations, uh, mm. etc. I mean, that kind of trail of thought. It was a guess. So that's, that's really the good point. It was a guess, but we realized that different people from i mean with different roles in the in the community are using the platform and that's really really a good point for us it could be uh, young collectors 
I'm thinking about Nicolas M. Salem, for, for instance, from the Rabier, or it could be um, historian, journalist, blogger, it could be people from the marketing too, or PR. So that's, that's really something we, we are dream of, and it's the reality. It's really a platform, and it's uh, what we want that the platform um, represent for, for everyone. It's a really a way to, as I said, to create, to innovate, to imagine, and it, it's a platform for watch experts, but also just for watch lovers from different generations. After, in terms of, it's, it's not a bad by side of the project, but it's the, just a reality because we we see what what is okay for user. I mean, in terms of user experience, what what is missing, how we can improve the project, how we can improve the navigation within the platform and in in the archive. So that's really the learning part of the project, and we decide to analyze that from until the end of the year. We also ask uh, users to share feedback on, on the homepage of the platform. You can uh, and I really encourage everyone to share their, their feedback about the platform, what is good or not, what 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 will they want to, to see in the platform. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we stay also humble in terms of performance. We just want to learn from our user to build the second part of the release. Yeah. Dear listeners, you heard the call to action. Please visit the site if you haven't, start using it, and please do give them feedback, constructive criticism, and also compliments. Now, this was a beautiful segue to why you are the right person to lead this amazing initiative, because I've studied your very <laughs> impressive CV on LinkedIn, and it seems you have the perfect trifecta. You besides that you are very young and have a long resume that's impressive, you come from the marketing, because I see you started a publicist, mm -hmm. TBWA. Then you entered the luxury industry with Karan Dash. As you mentioned, Vacheron Constantin, you were the international communications director. Then you joined our friend of the show, Marco, at Singer Reimagined. <laughs> Became an entrepreneur with your own consulting firm, The Talented. And you are giving and giving back because besides being the CEO of the Watch Library already for almost four years, you also give back to B-Lab Switzerland. So the B Corp, which I love and I'm happy that it exists mm -hmm. because it goes from a shareholder's economy to a stakeholder's economy. My first and foremost question, which is important in this podcast because it's all about watches, Why watches, Martin? Do do you love watches? And if so, why? I love watches. I'm not an expert. You know, I learn every day, every hour, every minute. So that's why the the watch library uh, platform is perfect for me. Uh, also, I came to watches in 2015. Uh, at that time, I was working for the Métier d'Art uh, big exhibition in Le Louvre in, in Paris. And, uh, and the head hunter contacted me to say, yeah, you know, that Vacheron Constantin is looking for someone. I, I think it's, it's in, could be a good fit for you because you love métier d'art and, and craftsmanship and 
I born and raised in France, but no doubt with my accent, from a family of craftsmen, designers and artists. So it, it's really, the, I mean, this, I don't know if it's a knowledge, but it's a sensitivity for savoir-faire and, and designing creativity that I bring in my job. And yeah, it was, it was uh, the way that I, I, I found my way in watchmaking uh, with, uh, with this love and interest for, for craftsmanship. So I was lucky enough to start in this amazing manufacture, really, uh, let's say, heritage brand too, Vacheron Constantin. It was um, before the, the launch of the, before the 2060 anniversary of the brand and also the relaunch of uh, Overseas. I find my place with, even I'm not an expert, uh, as I said, with my sensitivity. In watchmaking, I love a lot of things, but the way also, I mean, it's not only about the product. I'm a super fan of uh, Chrono uh, from from the 70s. So it was a real pleasure to work with Rob Dickinson and Marco Boracino because it's really their, their inspiration. But I really I find my way because I love the, the work of the watchmaker. I also love the I mean the creativity, the, the design, the métier d'art, the savoir-faire, this kind of savoir-faire on, on watchmaking. So for me it's uh, it's like a dream, this industry. And another aspect, and it's also I mean part of the it's a seed for for the watch uh, watch library, it's the community. Uh, you said uh, as an introduction that we never met. I, I don't know why, because <laughs> I was uh, I was in Geneva Watch Days as, as you. Uh, I guess you would be at the GPHD. In uh, it's just because uh, I love the community, the way that people interact, the way they share their passion, the way you know. It's like yeah, it's the passion is it's everything uh, in this industry. Me personally. I don't see people as gender, especially in careers, okay? I look at energy, passion, talent, mm -hmm. uh, and every individual is an individual. I am conditioned about that because my mom comes from the old world, was very innovative, always worked, pushed for equality. My dear wife is the same, has her own career, is actually not impressed at all what I do. And we're raising our daughter the same. But we do find there are not enough women in the watchmaking industry. Mm -hmm. And we encountered the same issue with our real-time show community, which we have. We have wonderful women in there, but not enough. I see. <laughs> and guests on the show that are feminine are not enough. Mm -hmm. We have some lined up. What's your take on that? Would you mind sharing your feelings, your views? And we can actually do a search in the watch library when we see women having a more, let me call it a, a voice in the watch industry, because women have always worked in the watch industry, don't they? With the métier d'art and suave, as you said. Yeah, um, you're, you're right. Thank you. Thank you for, for having this sensitivity. A lot of women working in the, in, in the watch industry, for sure. Uh, some are CEO in more perhaps uh, CEO in brands, I mean, which is like a visible position. But there are a lot of women in different uh, side of the 
of uh, watchmaking um, and a lot of initiative too. I, I can see that Suzanne, of course, everyone knows Suzanne, is doing something interesting for, for women. Also, I met an historian and she does the same to really organize group group of women. It's it's difficult to have a voice. I don't know why. I have a part of my um, career in in car industry, <laughs> and honestly, uh, it's it's the same. Or perhaps it's more it's, it's more masculine even than uh, compared to watchmaking. And uh, when you look at the history, uh, also you realize that a lot of women are part of the watchmaking history. And watchmaking was really, really close to jewelry, as as you know. Of course, you're an expert in jewelry too. So I don't know why. And it would be great to yeah to to give more more voice to women, even as uh, collectors. I totally agree. Mm. And and what I always emphasize: the first wristwatch, gals and boys, was for women and not men. Yeah. So remember that. Ladies first, but you're totally right. And I, you just mentioned Suzanne. I mean, I, I guess you mean Suzanne Wong. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah Suzanne I Wong. love, yeah. I love her. Yeah. I've been twisting her arm for a year to come on the show, which she finally agreed to. So uh, we're great. looking for a date. I love Elle Piochotto, so she's coming on the show. I've twisted Sophie Furley's arm. Yeah, I love Sophie, which is yeah. a dear friend and her husband Keith as well for almost two decades. She's coming on the show. So we're working on it. Yeah, that's perfect. Feminine CEOs are not that many. We're working on that. Mm -hmm. But we have soon our dear friend that's running, Charles Zuber, coming on. So I love her. Mm -hmm. So So we're working on that as well. So thank you for sharing that. Now, let's talk a bit about the database, the the library, because you don't want to use the word database. No. (laughs) I'm very fascinated by machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah. What have you guys used up till now? And what are you planning to use? Are there any algorithms running right now? Alors, uh, no, there is no algorithm because it's, you know, the the way algorithm works is, they analyze uh, what you are looking for and they push away the same kind of content. And, and for us, especially, uh, it's based on the discussion I, I had with our uh, scientific committee. Um, experts, you have Pierre-Yves Donzé or Laurence Bodenman, or, and they said that it's important that users can, can make their own decision in terms of search. It's really important that they have access to all the content and not only part of the content because the algorithm decides uh, for for them. So there is no algorithm. It's a way to we index the content and then thanks to the search engine and you you have different filters. I don't know if you if you say that you can. Uh, really uh, design your your search by yourself you you have access to all the the result and then you made your your own choice but in terms of technology and and going back to machine learning or nlp uh, natural language processing it's the technique that uh, chat gpt use uh, we will implement that in the future for the moment, uh, we analyze our user navigates 
in the in the platform because you you have different aspects in ChatGPT and we really want to implement uh, AI as a, an answer to user needs, not just AI for AI. So yeah, we will do that. And it's amazing because last uh, summer, we, we did the first prototype of the platform with uh, NLP, so Natural Language Processing um, Technology, that helps uh, to understand the request of the user. But it was before ChatGPT because ChatGPT was launched in November uh, last year, the first one. No? Uh, so the result was not really uh, convincing. And we say, okay, doesn't matter. Uh, we see in the future. But now that uh, we have ChatGPT and especially ChatGPT4 and the system is, is uh, more open, it, it's part of the improvement, the next improvement in the, in the platform. Do you expect any correlation that we did not think of now when we unleash AI on the watch library? Do you think that we'll find trends or something that, because that's what we're saying, right? The power of AI yeah, yeah. will be that there's so many touch points that, that humans maybe can't grasp mm. so many touch points or correlation points. Do, do, do you do you have hope that something will come out of it? And the second question in that context, hmm. are you now APIing your library? Meaning, will you give hmm. other entities yeah. access to your library right now? So in the future, could chat GPT access the watch library? Hey, you are take a tech expert too. <laughs> Amazing. Alors, first... Um, about new results or um, new correlation thanks to ChatGPT, of course. And because even with, without ChatGPT today, just gathering archives that are usually in different places in the world, often completely forgotten, <laughs> when you put all this amazing content in one place, you can find new correlation new stories, new narrative about watchmaking. It's amazing. Of course, with the chat GPT, we will amplify uh, this, uh, this uh, phenomenon for sure. That's why chat GPT will not come alone. We will also add some data visualization and interactive charts that represent the result. Today, we have introduced kind of a first experience for that. It's the, we have a timeline that represents graphically, so in terms of design only, your result. I was happy because Sébastien Vivas from Audemars Piguet is the heritage and museum director of Audemars Piguet. You know, he's an expert in, term, in terms of uh, watchmaking, uh, history, um, searches, and uh, everything. And he said, I use that, I use the timeline, and I find new results because it's a new way, you know, to navigate, to enter in the, in the content. And um, especially because now the platform is really for, I mean, experts, collectors, journalists, uh, you know, curators with a, a background in watchmaking, but little by little by integrating new archives, perhaps new visual content, we will open 
the the platform let's uh, let's say more b2c more everyone will will like uh, watches um so having this kind of uh, technology to facilitate the search to represent the results uh, is key a tip for our dear listeners when you search the database it's actually very sensitive and it sees very high correlation touch points mm-hmm. and it's it seems like it's elastic search <laughs> it's not but we hesitate a lot with elastic search it's not but you hesitate yeah okay so then <laughs> you fooled me because it seems like elastic search is a very 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 good search engine yeah <laughs> and whomever built your infrastructure kudos to them And if you want to do a shout out, this is your platform now, Martin. <laughs> like any search engine, you can use colons if you use multiple words to mm-hmm. fine-tune your search. Use a plus sign if you use two keywords or a, a batch of keywords. Now, I have some important criticism, Martin. Yeah. I'm disappointed. I googled your name. Or I, sorry, I, I shouldn't use the word Google. I, uh, I, <laughs> we are, t- we are the- <laughs> I TWL'd your My name. My name, yeah. Your name, and you're in there, so... No, I'm the, not in the history of watchmaking. You are very important to the history of watchmaking. Okay, <laughs> Vacheron is not that important. Singer Reimagined is getting important, but the watch library is uber important. So this is my criticism. Whomever is part of the data entry of the content team mm. shame on you i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to do a research in one month after this episode airs i'm <laughs> warning you on that topic martin how real time is the data entry the strategy we put in place with the with the scientific committee uh, we have different step in terms of uh, in terms of const- content sorry The first step first was to make available the most let's say transversal and reference documents possible related to to watchmaking i mean dictionary reference books museum catalog horological journal plus uh, exceptional archive like uh, as uh, as Louis Cotier. the second step is about more like monographies specific let's say deep uh, studies on specific topics for instance on chronograph you know we build step by step To, to have something really consistent. Now we are in the step to integrate auction house content, videos, content, a lot. It's the discussion I have for the moment with an organization in Switzerland in France. You know, it's, uh, it has to be consistent and organized. Behind the integration of the archive, there is a, a specific planification because it's important to, to bring to users something consistent and rich in terms of content and, and topics. The criteria to integrate archive is always uh, primary sources uh, of content in the, as many documentation format as possible, like text, image, advertising, photographs, videos, sounds, documents. So it's an invitation for you because now that uh, real time is uh, just close his first year and uh, uh, I think that your archive is super interesting and also we cover many different uh, different geographical areas as I said not only Switzerland but also France uh, Germany Italy uh, US UK so yeah that's that's the way we build uh, let's say the big data 
instead of database. <laughs> Who is number one on your wish list to work with? Company, a data resource, a person, etc. It's super difficult to answer because the, the value of the project is based on the collective intelligence. I, I can't choose only one person, one partner, one content. You're being politically correct and very polite and modest. And, and I'm putting you on the spot on purpose. How can we as a collective, all the tens of thousands of listeners of this podcast, mm. put peer pressure in a positive sense on a party that you haven't approached or have approached or that are thinking about it? So who could we nudge that you can mention a name and you don't bring confidentiality? Yeah, I think that's... This project, because it's a non-profit public utility project, is really based on preserving and passing on the watchmaking heritage, has to be supported by the all the brands in watchmaking, especially the big players. So what would you need from them besides monetary help? Okay, let's park that. That's obvious because I know how expensive it is to run mm. databases, libraries, tech companies, because basically you're a tech company. Mm -hmm. Besides monetary help, What would you like from these bands? Them to open up their archives to you? Yeah, definitely. We want to have more amazing content to share with our users, especially because so we have archive from the 17th to the beginning of the 21st century. We, we want to have more and more archive related to the 20th century. We, we want to have archive from watchmaking, institution, organization, but media but also archive from different sectors. For instance, we know that there is amazing archive in the sport industry related to watchmaking. There is amazing archive in fashion industry related to watchmaking. All the universe to watchmaking, like science, you know, art, cinema, there is a lot of content uh, related to watchmaking that we want to identify and to 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 bring and together in the to share in the platform. We are chatting and I have a zillion questions for you, but I'm looking at the timeline of our recording yeah. and I see I need to start shutting up. But maybe let's look at the future. So the database is all about the past, but to if you don't learn from the past, you'll repeat mistakes now looking at the future what's your outlook on the future of watchmaking the next first two three decades is it positive is it negative are you worried are you optimistic it's uh, definitely positive the the way i i see you know you see that there is always the same dynamic in terms of new brand creation It seems that there is kind of concentration in the markets but still uh, new player young players. I think the, the watchmaking um, is, is finding his own way to, to do business, both retail and online. For us, the watch library, it's, it's, it's also a way to be part of this story because when you share uh, content and about products uh, and business to your clients and, and customers, It's important to have the story behind, the story about the product, the story about the brand, of course. Yeah, and people are looking for something authentic, sustainable, with a strong value in terms of savoir-faire. Yeah, the, the future is bright, not easy. You know, it was not easy to build this project too in the COVID and pre-COVID period, but the future is bright for sure. Thank you so much.
Martina, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your passion, your knowledge, your experiences. <laughs> I'm happy TWL exists. You know I'm here to help. I mean, we've been, we talked already about since 2021. I wish you all the best of luck. And maybe, I don't know if you incorporate audio, I could discuss with Rob that we offer our audio recordings as entries for the library. That could be maybe interesting. Mm -hmm. For now, thank you so much. Uh, we would love to have you back on the show at least within 12 months to see how you all progress. Rests me to thank all our listeners for tuning into this episode, all the other episodes. For those that are passionate about what we do, make sure to join our TRTS network. It's a WhatsApp community where like-minded people share their passion for watchmaking. If you have any questions, feedback, criticism, or want to share compliments for the real-time show, you could reach Rob Nuts by email via rob at therealtime.show. You can find him on Instagram at R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S. You can email me alone at therealtime.show. On Instagram, you can find me, A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. And recently, we also started the dedicated Instagram handle for TRTS, which is therealtime.show. So basically, the same as the URL. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was really important to present the project to your community. And we are really open to learn from your community too once they have uh, browsed and, and tried the platform. Thank you again. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Have a wonderful day and keep on ticking.